Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for April 29th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. That is vitally important, worth repeating, no doubt about it. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration. That's worth repeating as well. And welcome to the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. There's so much to talk about. There's so little time. It's hard to even contemplate what should be focused on the most. There's so many stories, so many issues, so many educational opportunities, so much news that networks refuse. It's just networks refuse to use. I'm sorry so much news the networks refuse to use that it's just absolutely out of control i kid you not brian russ coming up kurt crosby may join us depends next hour alex spicer a new uh, contributor to the liberty roundtable live family just all kinds of stuff going on let's just jump back and do the recap of yesterday's broadcast first biden seeking stronger irs What's the purpose to fund his socialist agenda? Yeah, he's got the American Families Plan. They say that it'll be offset in part by a tax enforcement effort like you've never seen before. They say that administration officials believe that it'll raise over $700 billion. And they say over a decade, Biden looking to pay for his ambitious economic agenda and shift more of the nation's tax burdens to the rich, to the wealthy. I guess they're going to oppose or propose giving their internal revenue service, the IRS, over $80 billion to crank up the effort. They say they'll give them more authority as well over the next 10 years. Look out, Joe and the IRS is coming. You folks uh, wanted to pretend that we didn't have vote fraud? You want to just let Joe Biden take the helm? fraudulently uh, create a dishonest false flag operation on January 6th at the Capitol so that you don't have to talk about the vote fraud and really dig into it and let Congress look into it and everything else by all means. But you know what? You're going to reap the whirlwind when you let a Joe Biden take the helm in America. He will turn us into a socialist utopia, not it'll be a disaster on your wallet, a disaster on everything, you know, write it down. It's continuing as we speak. Have you joined Mike Lindell's? free speech platform yet frankspeech.com a lot of people are having a hard time joining it but it's cranking up and we got to give them a little bit of time to get their feet under them but when they do hopefully new media taking center stage everywhere donald trump working on a plan mike lindell working on a plan del big tree and ben swan working on a plan we've been in radio working on our own plans for quite some time and we'll continue doing so Joseph Farah, WorldNet Daily, WND.com doing so. Joseph Farah, after many strokes and a lot of struggles and big tech in bed with the Pentagon and deep state government in bed with universities, all trying to take down WND.com. 
But you know what? Joseph Ferris said it best, and we covered the details. Hey, man, you know what? We will work towards solutions. We believe in plans that will make things bigger and better in the future. And let's pray hard and work hard to make that a reality. We talked about Ashley Babbitt's family to sue Capitol Police. The officer shot an unarmed woman who was not an immediate threat to the officer or any member of Congress. Bob Unruh, WND.com, writes the piece. We'll keep an eye on that lawsuit for you. Drudge finally cancels. WND, after 24 years, Joseph Ferrer writes an incredible column that we talked about literally for two hours yesterday in detail because it was so good. Sam recounts stories of working with Joseph Ferrer over the years. Got to check that out if you want to learn about the historical reality of how the news has unfolded. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net for yesterday's broadcast. Washington Post stops. Presidential fact check database after 100 days of Joe Biden. Why? Uh, because they're all liberal socialist communists, in my humble opinion. And the problem is they're having to report facts. The problem is when you fact check, if you fact check too dishonestly, we catch you at it and burn you at your fact checking, right? Well, anyway, so now they don't want to really report on Joe's gaffes and uh, missteps and dishonesty and the list goes on. So they're just going to stop the tracking of the database now. You, you heard me. That's what they're doing. Chinese national got sentenced to 14 years for laundering drug money from Mexican drug cartels. So the Mexicans and the Chinese are in bed together now. It took the Epic Times, a foreign news service, to report that to us Americans. Uh, but when Joe Biden's kind of rewarding the people on the border and reaching out to them and, uh, you know, uh, secret communiques to them and everything else, and, and you find out now that the communist Chinese rogue agents are in bed with drug cartels in Mexico, you go, mm, maybe the border's a little more rowdy like Donald Trump said it was, huh? We also had to reach out to Russia today to get this news piece. Florida set to release swarms of GMO, that's genetically modified mosquitoes. Residents are up in arms crying and dec decry criminal experiment on the topic. Bill Gates Biotech, all at the helm with that one. Bill Gates is involved in so many sinister things, it's shocking. Except the problem is you bring up Bill Gates and you say things aren't on the up and up and everybody goes, oh, you're shouting conspiracy theories, aren't you? <laughs> Okay, GMO, mosquitoes, folks, I'm not in, are you? Systemic racism. If you ask for evidence, you are racist. Andy Schlafly with a brilliant column on that topic at WND.com. We talked about judge drops out of 2020 president, presidential recount battle. Democrats sued to stop the election recount. Of course, the judge shut him down. That's good news. But the judge had to recuse himself. Why? Because I guess one of the unique people involved literally worked for the judge. So there's a conflict of interest, and they had to restart the trial and the, the dig in and the recount and everything else. I pray for reality check in Arizona. But whenever they have these recounts, I don't trust the recounters. I don't trust the process most times. I pray for reality and honesty and success in this thing, but I just don't know. I just don't know. You know, there's accusations on both sides. One group says, <clears throat> hey, we want to keep our uh, methods of counting secret. And then others say, see, you're, you got a scandal of your own. And then others say, no, we just don't want to share 
how we're digging into to, to obtain the proof on you guys. The problem is you just don't know who's who. You don't know who's a friend and who's a foe. I mean, naturally, you think the recounters are friends and those trying to stop it are the foes, but is that really that simple and that clear? Don't know the answer. There's a lot of answers we don't know, right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot to talk about in the news, and that's a recap of yesterday's broadcast. Still available, libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net, live and on demand, on the web, via podcast, via phone app, iPhone and Android phones at lovingliberty.net. Phone app's free. Download them, live and on demand radio. Check it out. Follow the Twitter feed and more. So we got that all going on, folks. Now we're going to have our guest coming up in a minute, Brian Rust. But before we get to him, um, I guess Biden plans move to ban cigarettes with menthol. What do you think of that? See, I'm not a cigarette smoker. I don't believe in cigarettes. I think they're bad for you. I think you ought to not smoke them. I don't think they do any good for you in your life. But I got a question, a serious question. Where does Joe Biden seem to assume authority over cigarettes? Banned cigarettes, not just cigarettes, a certain kind of cigarettes? (laughs) Are you comfortable with this, folks? See, I'm not. Because uh, where do you go with this? Right? Where do you go with this kind of statement? Or this kind of agenda. We're going to ban cigarettes with menthol. We're going to ban talk radio with blind hosts. Right? When it sounds crazy, right? Where do you go with this thing? And that's the problem. What authority does the president have of the United States? And I would submit to you there's nothing in our supreme law that gives the president any authority to ban cigarettes. And then specifically a certain kind of cigarettes. What if he's like, hey, they got new cigarettes in these flavors. You know, you got orange and you got pineapple. I hate them orange ones. We're only going to keep the pineapple kind. Now, I know that sounds a little bit childish, a little bit extreme, a little bit, you know, but you know what? That's what we're doing here. So let me get this right. Menthol cigarettes you can't have, but the kind that aren't menthol, like the camels, no problem. There, A palm oil, uh, whatever, no problem, right? Okay, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Filtered cigarettes, they're fine. Menthol kind, no, uh-uh. Uh, they're kind of bubblegum cigarettes, you know? Uh, too many kids like them. Uh-huh. When you're a kid, do they have those bubblegum cigars, you know? I- I'm just saying, where do we go with this? Pretty soon it'll be like, hey, man, we're going to ban orange juice. The only kind of juice you can drink is apple juice. Uh, it's just insanity. And what we should be banning is fake money, fiat currency, right? If you want to ban something, ban the fake stuff, right? Wow. Ban cigarettes. But, of course, they're not going to ban you, are they? Well, they say humans are the main cause of climate change. USA Today. Peddling of fake news? Let's talk about it. I am Sam Bushman. This is Indeed. Liberty Roundtable Live. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? 
Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, why have some of my seals are gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Brian Rust, RustCreditGift.com. Over the last 50 years, Brian and his family have been working to help people understand and, and be educated about precious metals. One of the great things Brian says is, hey, stick with the coins that have stable value. Avoid a lot of the numismatic stuff that there's a lot of... Uh, fluctuation in stick with the real value of the metals and take possession of your coins amen to that advice hi brian how you doing good to be with you doing marvelous sir there's so much to talk about joe biden's kind of off the rails <laughs> joe biden plans a move to ban cigarettes with menthol and uh, so at the federal level you're gonna ban cigarettes with menthol now i'm not a cigarette smoker okay but I'm just saying, how do you leave the Pall Malls and the unfiltered cigarettes on the market, but you're going to ban the menthol kind? Well, it's like bubblegum, Sam. Too many kids are getting them. And it's uh, kind of a problem. The federal level, the president of the United States, to ban what else will he ban? Do you like orange juice, Brian? I think we ought to just I ban do. orange juice and only have apple juice, buddy. You're out. <laughs> <There> you <laughs> I mean, That's the extreme right. ideas here are insanity, sir. Right. So I guess just pushing the pushing the envelope to... To see just how far he can go, maybe you know that seems to be the agenda. Let's just push it a little farther, a little farther, and just you know, I, I, I kind of fall into that. You know, I, I don't smoke either. I you know, I get it, but people ought to be able to choose and and that and make choices. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's bad for your health, but you know, I don't think that, like you say, what's next? And and uh, the agenda kind of seems like you know, there's a 
I believe in the fight against good and evil and, and, the, and the evil side kind of lures you a little bit slowly, slowly. Let's just try this. Let's just try this and slowly and get you right to that edge. And before you know it, you're off because they just slowly lead you to hell kind of thing. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, good intentions, pave the road. Uh, there you go. Um, what I find fascinating about this discussion though, is what they want to do is separate us again, the smokers against the non-smokers. Uh, it's all for the children, Brian. You want to you want to ban these um, menthol cigarettes for the children, don't you? And what I find fascinating is if we ought to ban something, why don't we ban fake money? And we're all against fake news, right? <laughs> That's right. Just ban right. fake money, buddy. That's right. I, I I agree. That's that's uh that's a good point. <laughs> now, what if they create a vanilla cream cigarette? Can you keep that one, but not the menthol? You know? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Well, I, I think whatever wherever the money pushes the. If they if they're getting a lot of money behind them, maybe a certain company or something supporting them, then they're going to really push for that. Okay, they can be okay, but these can't because they're maybe they're not giving us enough money. All right. Anyway, I find that fascinating. Let's go ahead and get an update on silver or gold first, I guess, huh? What's gold looking like? Gold is seventeen seventy eight seventy. So wow, Up uh, a down bit? about ten bucks. Well, oh, down, down ten bucks from last week. Yeah. About ten dollars, yeah. Seventeen seventy-eight seventy, right? Silver, silver is twenty. Uh, silver is twenty-six thirty-nine, so down about twenty thirty twenty cents. Wow! Yeah. So it's a good deal on on uh, silver dollars now. You can buy one of those dudes for how much again? Uh, they're still up there around that thirty-eight dollar range. They haven't changed much, huh? Silver goes down by yeah. spot, and the spread stays the same to get a silver eagle silver dollar. Thirty-eight bucks, huh? That's right. You could buy that paper one. So you can get that paper uh, contract if you want that. I can buy one a dollar for a dollar on those, can't I? Yeah, there you go. Wait a minute now. If you have one of them silver eagle silver dollars printed by the United States Treasury, the mint right now, ooh, you get one of those dudes and you can get thirty-nine dollars for it, man. <laughs> you're getting rich, Brian. Yeah, you're making you're making some money. Yeah. All right. Wow! Hey, Kurt's right, rhodium, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt's rhodium's at twenty-eight eight, so it's up another eight hundred bucks. Man, Kurt is just cleaning up, isn't he? <laughs> That's right. He's a smart guy. <laughs> Man, just imagine a garage full of rhodium. And <laughs> hey, what do you got in that garage over there? Ah, rhodium. <laughs> ah, that's not worth anything, is it? Just pass on by. <laughs> Most people would say, what is rhodium, right? So, yeah, so he doesn't have to Yeah, that's why you just say, yeah, I just got rhodium in there. It's just kind of like topsoil. (laughs) 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 Rhodium is just kind of like the gravel you put in the road, you know. (laughs) Just pass me by and go look for somebody who has some gold, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Wow. So not only is Biden going to ban cigarettes, but now they're doubling down. Joe Biden went to a, quote, um, what do you call it, a climate change summit, don't you know? And Joe went up there, and he just said, hey, we're going to cut our emissions in half by 2030. Headline says this from USA Today. I think it's as fake news as the headlines get, Brian, but it says this. Humans are the main cause of climate change, USA Today. Now, I would actually agree with that headline, but for completely different reasons. I'll get into it in a second. But what do you think of that, though? Humans remain main clause of climate change yeah i mean our reckless abandon is that what they're saying and, and so we are you know and i i think there's probably some of that i mean industry and 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 uh, um fuels and, and and so on but i mean 
you know, we, we, you know, we have Purdue or, or, or continue to evolve in, into what works for us and, and, uh, what we're to use and, and so on. And, and I, I, one, one factor I, I look at this, you know, I'm not so sure about the climate change. I mean, things are going to happen. I think God's in, in charge of that, but you've got some countries that I seem, seem to be just reckless or have been reckless over the years and, and they don't even care, you know, China and some of these other places, but yet, we have to kind of be manipulated because we've got to do our part. Well, if they don't do their part, isn't it a work together kind of thing to, to accomplish some of these things? Not just, okay, you guys do it, but we over there, they're going to do whatever they want, throw trash in the ocean or I don't know. I mean, all kinds of things, but that's my now, I find <laughs> I find so much of this fascinating. So let me explain. Here's what happens in the debate. Are you ready? Humans are the main cause of Climate Change USA Today. And then what you would say is, well, either the climate is not changing and or humans are not responsible for it. Right, Brian? Right. And I would come back and say, you know what? That's where they kind of set the trap and create the Hegelian dialectic against us all. Here's the Hegelian dialectic. You have choice A or choice B. No, 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 Brian. Choice C is not discussable. You're a choice A or a choice B guy. I know you don't want choice A or choice B. That doesn't matter. You're a choice A or a choice B guy. Do you understand that? Okay. And, yeah. and what they do is they then drill those two choices home to you, and you're kind of forced to pick one. I've decided that I'm going to go along with the climate change people. Now, listen, don't riot, listeners. Just mellow out and hang tight. Okay, please. Please listen to the whole statement here. Humans are the main cause of climate change. USA Today, I believe it's true. Okay. And the climate is changing. And humans are the cause. Now, let me explain why. When we keep the commandments of God, the climate's pretty stable. When we violate the commandments of God, God punishes us, you could say. Or some would say he reminds us of him and our duty to obey him. Uh, by, you know what, sending forth famines, pestilence. You know what, fire, rain, wind. Earthquakes, I mean, you know, tsunamis, whatever, right? And you know what? That's all the stuff they're talking about, climate change. The planet gets warmer, whatever this happens, that happens, hurricanes, whatever. When we violate the commandments of God, biblically speaking, we get bad results. Climate goes out of control. The ultimate weatherman decides he's going to use the weather to stir us up in remembrance of our God. And so, you know what? We are causing it by our wicked ways. Now, they would say what you got to have is government. <clears throat> has got to control it all. they got to shut you down and make you live in like a little igloo or something. Wait a minute. You can't make fun of the Indians. Get, stop that, racist. Uh, I mean, you're going to live in a little teeny, um, well, what can you live in that would be acceptable? Well, maybe an environmental high-rise. That ought to do. With solar panels on top and the whole bit because you're going green, by golly. Okay, never mind the Indians tried to live simply on the land and they weren't ruining the environment, but yet we jettisoned them, crushed them, forced them to live in our ways, wear our clothes, live in our buildings, da-da-da-da, and now we say, wait a minute, hold on, they were kind of right. Well, the bottom line, though, Brian, is that they want a government solution and they want government control over you using the climate change as the divisive wedge. The truth is there is climate change. God decides to send us the climate that he feels we deserve. And the truth is we are causing it by our actions. If we obey God and we pray hard, he can make it rain and our crops grow. If we disobey God, he can flat out create a famine on the land, send an earthquake and make us go, maybe we better pray. And so it's all true, but here's the difference. 
after you believe in climate change and that humans caused it, and you get there, because you've got to pick one side, you only got A or B, okay? So if you choose A, it is caused by humans, then you can either look to governments for solutions or look to God for solutions, my friend. What do you think of that analysis? This is Think, think Tank 101, Liberty Roundtable <laughs> Live, baby. Go ahead, sir. I, I think you're dead, dead on. I mean, it's, that's exactly right. I mean, we, you know, uh, if we're reckless with the things that we've been given uh, to be stewards over, then absolutely well, there's consequences. And I think these are, you're, you're right, I think these consequences are happening as a result of our bad tr- actions or not, not calling upon him. And it's pretty easy then when we deny climate change or deny humans are responsible for them to show that we're wrong. Scientifically, yeah. we'll back God's actions, right? Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden, in his first address to a joint session of Congress Wednesday night, laid out his vision for America. We get 100 million COVID-19 vaccine shots in the people's arms in 100 days. We will have provided over 220 million COVID shots in those 100 days. In a GOP reply, Senator Tim Scott said the Biden administration is taking way too long to open the nation back up. Our public schools should have reopened months ago. Other countries did. Private and religious schools did. Science has shown for months that schools are safe. But too often, powerful grown-ups set science aside, and kids like me were left behind. Senator Scott, the Republican from South Carolina, claimed President Biden has broken his promise to seek to unify the country and slam Democrats' policymaking. USA Radio News. America's great cities are in deep trouble. Businesses are closing, taxpayers fleeing, and police are defunded as crime and homelessness rise. It's a dangerous time in big cities like New York, L.A., Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco, and more. All this week, Rob Schmidt is on Newsmax TV, exposing the real truth in his series, Cities on Fire. Every night, Rob Schmidt gives you the real news you won't hear anywhere else. So watch Rob Schmidt tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern and see his Cities on Fire special. Newsmax TV is on all major cable systems. If you don't get it, call your cable system. Tell them you want Newsmax or you can switch. Plus, get Newsmax free on most smart TVs like Samsung, Sony, and LG. Or tune in on Roku, Pluto, Zumo, and YouTube Live. And millions have already downloaded the free Newsmax TV app on their smartphones. So start watching America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Because Newsmax is real news for real people. America lost a hero from our space program of yesteryear. Dan Naraki from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau reports. Apollo 11 astronaut Michael Collins has died. Collins was part of the three-man crew who traveled to the moon in 1969, piloting the command module Columbia in the moon's orbit, while Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the surface. An Air Force pilot, Collins joined NASA in 1963 and first went into space on the Gemini 10 mission in 1966. Apollo 11 was his last space flight. He later worked with the Smithsonian Institution and went on to become the director of the National Air and Space Museum. Michael Collins was 90. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The infamous words were from the Apollo 11 mission. Two women flanked the President of the United States for the first time as Biden addressed a joint session of Congress on Wednesday evening. Biden said of the historic first, Thank you, Madam Speaker. 
and Madam Vice President. USA Radio News. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, happy to have you along. Sam Bushman, Brian Rust, RustQuinnandGift.com, doing a phenomenal job breaking it down just for you. Honest Money Report, gold. Wow. They say it's down a little bit. 1778.70. Silver, 2639. Wow. But yet you can't get a silver eagle, silver dollar unless you pay like 39 fake fiat dollars for it. We're talking about Biden's plan to ban cigarettes with menthol. We're also talking about the lie in the USA today in a way that humans are the main cause of climate change. Well, it's a lie if you're a conservative and you follow the traditional trajectory. That's the Hegelian dialectic where they want you to pick A or B. A, humans cause global warming. B, humans do not. Those are the only choices, ladies and gentlemen. Then what they want you to do is if you buy off on A, that humans are responsible for global warming, then they want you to believe the next steps. So here's what I do. I jettison the Hegelian dialectic, but I do pick A because it's true. There is global warming. There is global cooling. Just wake up in the morning and sit outside, and by midday you'll feel kind of hot. You know what I'm talking about? Then go to, in the evening time, lay out and do the same thing. Put on your suntan oil and freeze your derriere off and then tell me there's not warming and cooling every single day. There's also larger cycles on the planet called seasons, and so it gets warmer in the summer and cooler in the winter and all that kind of stuff. And So there are cyclical realities to this, and global warming or climate change is real, and you can even say humans are causing it. When we keep God's commandments, he blesses us, and the rain falls, and the crops grow. And when we don't obey God's laws, famines come and wars come, and people destroy each other on the planet, and it certainly affects the climate. So I think it's all true. The only question left is who do you turn to when we say climate change is happening? It's broken. Uh, who do you turn to to solve it? Government or God Almighty? And that would be my question for you, Brian. We, uh, we're going to turn to God. I'm going to turn to God is, is uh, what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my knees and, and uh, communicate with my Father in Heaven and, and, and uh, you know, make decisions based on uh, His intervention in my life. Uh, I, I don't know how to respond to this exactly, <laughs> but um, let me tell you about another climate change reality. You ready? Yeah. There's a car shortage, Brian. You know about the car shortage, don't you, Brian? Uh, no, tell me. I see a lot you of cars out there. why we have there, car but... shortages? Yeah. Because there's chip shortages. And the chip oh. shortages have disrupted the car market, Brian. Good point. Yeah. Used car prices chip. have been soaring in recent times due to a global clip. A chip shortage. But don't worry. If you're selling your used car, it's going to be good for you. You say. <laughs> now, I look at this thing, though, Brian, and I kind of go, what do you mean a chip shortage? So I've been advocating that we build cars like they built the old Volkswagens and the, you know, the old Bugs back in 68. You could buy one of those suckers right. for like 800 bucks, brand new, first of all. There's a little difference in the dollars then, you know. <laughs> now, how much is a Bug? 20 grand? Anyway, <clears throat> I digress except to say... Why do we have all these chips in our cars in the first place? Well, 
in my opinion, you have chips in there just like you have, you know, just everything else. There's, there's, uh, they can, they can kind of see what you're doing, maybe track some of the things, uh, shut you right down, maybe, maybe that they can push a button, maybe, and your chip will, your car won't run at all. I, I don't know, things like that, I, possibly. I think you just need to get rid of your car altogether, Brian. <laughs> That's right. And now let me explain to you, in the world's global warming, greenhouse gases or whatever else they say, uh, do you know how much the United States is responsible for the world's, quote, output of this greenhouse problematic stuff that we all humans create? You you know what percent the U.S. is responsible for of this? I I don't know what percent, but I imagine it's probably pretty high, maybe. I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's 15 percent, my friend. Oh, is it low? Okay, good. Well, it depends on how you define low. Yeah. Right. It's fifteen percent. We're gonna chop ours in half. You know what it's gonna take to chop ours in half, don't you? Right the bus. How many cars do you have, Brian? Uh, I've got three. You need to get rid of all three of them and buy one green car for a hundred grand, buddy. Well, wait a minute. We'll (laughs) subsidize it for you. It's only sixty grand. Okay, there you go. Yeah. See what they're proposing is not sustainable because they're proposing free college, free preschool. Handouts everywhere. You don't need to work. Get a new car. Cars are so expensive. Headline says this for the neediest students. A way to study and keep food on the table. Handouts. Well, they don't say it like that. But they say President Biden's new plan calls for community college to be free for all Americans. Okay, but if you get college free and preschool free and stimulus checks and universal basic income rolling and you get a new car and i mean there's just no end to the shenanigans uh that a government with too much money can pull brian yeah that's that's interesting you know i i, I remember uh i was i served uh, for my church a, 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 what we call a mission over in great britain and uh come across people that they hey i'm on the dole Oh, you're on the dole. Yeah. Well, they pay me to take care of my mom. She's not doing too good. And they pay me to kind of do this. They pay me kind of do this. Well, the the, the guy that, that that I'm talking about was what we called a hermit. I mean, his hair was long. He just enclosed himself in this house, but they were paying him to kind of take care of mom and, and so on. And I guess that's kind of where we're headed, I guess. We just can stay indoors, take care of our parents or others, and the government will sustain us, I guess. How are we going to deal with all this? Is it really sustainable, Brian? The government doesn't generate any wealth, my friend. That's right. How stupid am I? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's crazy. I'll tell you that. I I agree. I mean, we're getting to that point. You know, just let us. You know, it'll. You know, national health, all the other things. We'll all be. We go in for surgery at some point. We'll all be. In fact, over there, I remember when I had my appendix out, there were about eight of us in the hallway waiting for our turn and hoped that some were not going to die before they got into what they, I had an appendix, but others were, you know, were in worse shape. And we're just all along the walls on the outside of this hospital and waiting for our turn, kind of in line. So I don't know. And yeah. what are you going to, what's your turn going to give you, Brian? Yeah, my turn was going to take my appendix out when I got, when they got, it's almost like take a ticket. You you come in for your your uh, surgery or something, and you take a ticket, and you get on this gurney and dress in this robe, and we'll get you in when we can hope they they take the right part off that they 
got your chart right, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of wild. But uh, wow. that's where we're headed. Well, the Democrats have a sinister plan to make America cashless. I don't know if you know this, but America has been slow to the table, but they're going to be working on their own digital currency, my friend. Okay. Isn't that awesome? Blockchain? Is it going to be some of the blockchain? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. It's got to be transparent, <laughs> folks. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then there's an article, Why America Won't Be Going Cashless Anytime Soon. What do you think? You think it'll be going cashless? Well, I think they're driving that way. I mean, they'd like to, you know, to go cashless. There's people, I've, I've gone to restaurants and stuff at times, we can't take your cash. What? Yeah, okay. You know, it's, uh, but yeah, I think they're trying to push that agenda. More control if they can just look at my bank account and click a button and do whatever they need to do. Yeah. I don't know why so they the questions. I don't know why they need $80 billion for the IRS. If they can just, if uh, we're all cashless on a credit thing, they could just pull something up and click a button. They wouldn't need those people to really kind of, but no. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Any, I find that interesting, and I'm going to change it all to a question now. Is the U.S. on its way to becoming a cashless society? I think they're working on it hard. I think it's going to take a while to make happen. I think a universal basic income will take them a long way to it because then you'll have the government giving everybody digital money. And if you start your, quote, I don't know what you want to say, but you start your your money with digital, then, you know, it'll be hard to take it cash. It'll just, you know, the next step is digital. So one of the big steps to this is a universal basic in, or basic income uh, where government will hand you a digital, you know, uh, wallet or digital, whatever you want to say, card or whatever you want to say, account or what, and then replenish it digitally, then, hey, downstream transactions will become digital as well. So they're working on it for sure, but I do agree that it's it's going to take a while to make happen, Brian. I try to use cash whenever I can, but society makes it very difficult. In fact, during the pandemic, uh, they wouldn't even take cash. They're like, hey, we don't take cash here. Never mind that by law they have to. They just right. said, hey, the COVID, we don't need to obey laws anymore, you know? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and, and the thing I I worry about is is obviously um, maybe now maybe the government's perfect. Now most people that I know are not perfect, and so when there's a glitch, a bug in the system, and they, and I, I'm digital, and they hand me something and it doesn't work. You know, sometimes my computer isn't working or phone doesn't work. What do I do then? Well, all I'm telling you is if you deny that climate change, buddy, we'll make sure it doesn't work. <laughs> telling you that right now you better whip up into shape buddy and choose choice a you're responsible right. for it all my friend and you better oh, turn to government for the solution or you're a wacko <laughs> brian thank you so much we'll talk soon my friend hey, all right thanks you're doing a great job sam thank you sir brian rust rustquentinggift.com on your radio baby you know where the solution can be found mr president in churches in wedding chapels in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times 
and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman continuing live. Brian Rest doing a phenomenal job as always. Restquitting.com. This half hour is also brought to you by Raw Honey, delivered directly to your door. To learn more, get a hold of Kurt. That's Kurt, C U R T, at LibertyRoundtable.com. Or you can text or call 801 669 2211. That's 801 669 2211. Or simply on the web, point your browser to local honeyman.com all right chip shortages have disrupted the car market they say and uh, cars are becoming more and more and more and more digital they gotta have you know all these chips to control the hybrids don't you know the ones that you know when you pull up to a stop sign they turn off the car uh and uh you know this and that to where they save gas and they regulate this and they do that and they do and now the chip shortages why do you got chip shortages globally well, because of the COVID, don't you know? Everything's caused by the cocoa. Speaking of the cocoa, there's a lot of changes that you need to know about. Uh, and um, let's talk about it. The headline says this, a perfect storm led to India's soaring cases. Okay. This is an interesting article in USA Today. They say last March when the COVID arrived in India... The country of 1.4 billion people, uh, the country quickly went into lockdown for two months, keeping infection rates under tight control. They say there was a spike in September, but the numbers came back down quickly by February. They say cases in India were at an all-time low, and the country began relaxing, thinking that it had overcome the virus, said Dr. Amia Gupta, an infectious disease specialist at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health in Baltimore. Okay? Now, this is just interesting when I dig into this whole thing. People started attending cricket games, religious festivities, weddings. There was essentially a lot of relaxing of the rules, she said. Now the country's caseload is growing exponentially. 
and its healthcare system, particularly in smaller cities, is overwhelmed. Yeah. They say it's almost like India hit a perfect storm, said S.V. Subramanian, a professor of population health and geography at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health in India. Uh, India is so large, they say, that different factors may have played a role in different areas, and cities seem to be suffering more at the moment than rural areas. Does that tell you something to pay attention to? Cities seem to be suffering more than rural areas. But the combination has led to catastrophe. Hospitals are full. They don't have any beds available. They're absolutely facing um, this issue. It's kind of like they're in a war mentality. Gupta said that trains, cars, and hotels are all being converted into hospitals. India's prime minister has pleaded for help, and other nations are coming to the rescue, including the United States and many others. Shipment of oxygen tanks, other devices for making oxygen should be on their way to India within the next week, White House officials said on Tuesday. Then they talk about medications, and I find this, again, very Interesting. Medications like remdesivir that help COVID-19 patients recover faster will be sent soon. The administration is also sending supplies for Indian vaccine production. And they say they're also going to send 60 million doses of vaccines made by AstraZeneca which the U.S. government pre-purchased last year, but doesn't need to vaccinate Americans. So let me get this right. We've got too many vaccines now, and Americans don't need them. But listen carefully to the rest of this article, ladies and gentlemen. They say only 10 million of those doses have been made so far, and the vaccine is awaiting review by the Food and Drug Administration to ensure its safety before the doses are shipped. The remaining doses will be sent over the next few months as they are manufactured. Andy Slavitt, a senior advisor to the president's coronavirus response team, said in a news conference on Tuesday. Wow. So they've got to make sure that the vaccines are safe, huh? Gupta and several other disease-infectious Experts said this week that a combination of political, biological, behavioral, and meteorological factors led to the outbreak. Parts of India, including New Delhi, that's the nation's capital with nearly 19 million residents, have lower humidity this time of year. And by the way, the virus, they say, is known to spread better when the air is dry likely contributing to the enormous spread. Dr. Ashish Jaw, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health in Providence, Rhode Island said, crowds 
also helped spread the virus. Authorities there postponed the all or the annual pilgrimage of Camilla, I think that's how you say it, by a month until mid-February. But more than 700,000 already had arrived on the banks of the Ganges River by mid-January, they say. Millions are already traveling all over the place. Millions more were expected by the end of the month, they say. It's a huge gathering, they say. It's a very efficient way to spread the virus. To a large group of people, and then those people all across India. Well, they, they go to this pilgrimage, and then they get all together, and then they get the virus because it's a very efficient way of spreading up the dry climate. And then they all go back to their home towns and spread the virus all over their country. Prime Minister Narendra Modi, whatever his name is, didn't want to jeopardize his popularity by banning the gatherings said this professor of international health at Oregon State University. He's also director of its Center for Global Health. Even before the celebration, cases were already rising. But since the holiday, cases have been rising exponentially, he says. So it's all these gatherings. They say, now listen carefully, then there are the variants. So we talked with Cliff Kincaid about how there's only one coco virus. Don't you know, Sam? There's only one. But then he says, then there are the variants. The B is in Bravo, 1.1.7 variant. First seen in the UK is far more contagion than the original strain of the virus. And it may be helping to infect more people, they say. This has been a problem in India, making it impossible to understand which variants are actually there and how far they've spread although they say more surveillance would have been helpful to understanding the outbreak but that alone would not have prevented the tsunami of cases they say they say there was enough data without genetic surveillance by early to mid-march to understand that the outbreak was getting much worse there they say there was plenty of information for action, but that didn't happen. So I don't know to what extent adding genomic surveillance data would have moved the policy, he said. In February, there were about 350,000 coronavirus cases in India and about 2,670 deaths so far this month. They say there have been more than 3 million cases. That's a nine-fold increase and 17,000 deaths, according to data. Wow. So the big message here is you better not get back to society very quickly. And if you do, you're going to have an outbreak like India, folks. Models suggest that India's caseload will not peak until mid-May, and it could be much longer. If Indians in India fail to take measures now to reduce the infections, roughly 10% of Indians had been vaccinated so far. Wow, only 10% of Indians have been vaccinated so far. But they say with large-scale 
production and distribution underway? Well, it's a country that is well-versed in running mass vaccination campaigns, so they ought to be able to get a handle on it if they can just get the vaccines. With large-scale production and distribution underway, every adult by May 1st will be available to receive the COCO vaccine. But even at the current delivery rate of about 2 million shots per day, they say? Wow. The population is so huge in India that it'll take time to vaccinate enough people to let infection rates fall. Some communities have actually started to impose curfews and others are starting to engage in movement restriction. No one is expecting a national lockdown, but in states that are facing unbelievable numbers that you could not even imagine, they say there has to be more thought to the lockdowns. I don't know how to respond to all this news and all this stuff. Because here's what I find fascinating. Why don't they consider ivermectin? But they say in the meantime, more testing and more high-quality masks are needed. Along with spaces for sick people to isolate from healthy family members. They say support charities and non-governmental organizations in getting masks to Indians ASAP. I look at this, folks, and I understand it's a perfect storm, but what I find fascinating about this are, are, are two main things. One, we're not even considering or talking about ivermectin. A serious, serious, in my opinion, solution. Okay? But most importantly, and we hit on this with Brian Rust, when are we going to turn to our God? I appreciate vaccines and masks and trusting in the arm of flesh or man-made government-mandated solutions and all that kind of stuff. But when are we going to turn to God instead of government? When are we going to get on our knees and humble ourselves and repent and turn to God Almighty so that we can receive his blessings, so that he can protect us and heal our lands as he has promised us he can and will do for those who turn to him? When are we going to talk about God Almighty? as a great, peaceful, reality-based solution that has withstood the test of time, huh? Hour one in the can, hour two coming up. I'm Sam Bushman, libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. Donate generously. This is News the Network's Refuse to Use Time, baby. Hour one in the can, two coming up. God save the republic. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that networks refuse to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for April 29th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country. As you know, we reject revolution. As you know, we stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And as you know, our goal is to bring to you news the networks refuse to use. 
Our whole purpose of being on the radio is to promote God, family, and country, and to protect life, liberty, and property. Man, it's that simple, folks. We got a road to hoe. I'll tell you that right now. Um, we got a guest this hour, phenomenal guest. We've never had him on the radio with us, uh, but he promises to be a great contributor to the broadcast going forward. So you will be seeing a lot more of him. We appreciate him and all of his hard work. His name is Alex Spicer. And uh, Alex Spicer uh, is host of his own radio program. Uh, it's a podcast right now. It's called The Alex Spicer Show. And here's the uh, focus of his show. Faith, family, and freedom. Teaching and defending the fundamental principles of freedom and happiness. Wow, you got to dig that. AlexSpicer.com slash listen is where you go for that podcast. And you got to learn how to spell Spicer. I had to kind of practice that for a little bit. S-P-E-I-S-E-R. AlexSpicer.com slash listen. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, my friend. Thank you so much. I'm very, very excited to be here with you, Sam. There's so much to cover, so little time. Let's learn about you first, Alex. Who are, who are you, my friend? You know, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> let me um let me give a little bit of a backstory here. And actually, I don't know if I can continue without first addressing my last name because I know it's kind of unique, a little bit uh funny there. The spelling, right? Most people think they hear Spicer, they go, Oh, S P I C E R, right? I'm like, no, you know, uh somehow uh these ancestors got past Ellis Island without having to change their last name spelling uh from Germany. Um and kind of the ironic thing behind that is I'm not actually even a, a Spicer. This is this is the funny part is um, Spicer is just a, it's an adopted last name. I'm actually not even German, <laughs> but uh, truthfully, wow. yeah, it, it's 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 sort of funny. Uh, really, you know, my my father, he uh, his own uh, his biological father had played no role in his life whatsoever. Um, and so the only man who really took a fatherly role in my own dad, dad's life, um, was Fred Spicer. And, you know, he's, he's like half Indian, you know, half German, uh, basically. And, and I'm definitely watering that down. Hopefully I'm not offending my own father who actually listens to your show regularly. <laughs> but, well, thanks um, dad. We appreciate it, sir. <laughs> Hopefully we're spot on, right? Hopefully. Yeah. I I'm going to get an earful of all the corrections here, but, uh, for, for your audience sake, uh, more about you know just myself i you know i i got started into doing this because not because my whole life i thought oh you know i i really want to have a podcast and i'm going to start talking about faith family freedom these eternal principles really actually um what happened was i first of all i believe in a god that is living that is real and that speaks to his children i believe all of us are his children and I believe that he can, you know, he can talk to you and give you what I consider personal revelation. And I remember having some very, very uh, spiritual and special, unique experiences that really led me down this path to to go, okay, this is this is something that's very important, and I should I should really step into it. And it's like one of those things where you you kind of go into all of this blindly because you just kind of have to trust the Lord in in what you do, and. I've actually, I, growing up, I lived all over the United States. I lived in a number of different states, um, and I discovered in in my experience that people, people everywhere, there's a lot of great people, and generally speaking, we're all just trying to find our own form of happiness. 
And when we when we avoid religion because it becomes taboo, we then start searching for happiness in alternative routes that don't actually lead to the outcome that we're seeking, which is very unfortunate. And, th and that's why I'm very passionate about what I talk about because I, I understand that there are principles that are found in the Bible that are taught in Christianity that America was founded upon that enabled people to pursue their own happiness and to create outcomes that the world has never experienced before. Freedom, like the world has never experienced before. Uh, prosperity, like the world has never experienced before. And we are currently culturally, politically throwing that away. And really, I, I'm very much into not addressing issues by, uh, uh, by the symptoms but rather by the roots, going to the root of the cause, right? It, it, the way I say it is, uh, if you have a tree and there's fruit coming off that tree, th those leaves and those branches did not create that fruit. It was the roots. Because if you didn't have roots, then there'd be no tree there at all. There'd be no fruit on that tree. And so if we can address the root of the issues, and th that comes down to understanding those eternal principles, then we can actually start creating real changes that are lasting and that will create the outcomes that we all desire to have. Uh, and that, and, and I would say that the outcomes that we all desire to have, it, that goes for which regard, uh, that goes for everyone, regardless of the political aisle that you find yourself on. Right. I, I discover when I talk to people who are completely opposite of me politically, they have the same desires as me. They, they are just convinced that the only way to get it is to go down a path that I find quite diabolical when you understand even a smidgen of history. But in the end, if we actually can return and understand those things, you don't even have to be a Christian. You just have to understand how these principles apply. You're going to create outcomes that are fantastic for not just yourself, not just your community, but for your nation and even for the whole world. Um, so I apologize that maybe I went on a little bit of a rant there, but that's no, a little bit good, about there's me a lot of, I'm passionate There's a lot about. of seed questions to discuss. First off, I want to kind of respond to your father if you were a little bit flippant about your history. Uh, <laughs> and say this, you know what, we all, uh, you know what, arrive on the planet. And we start out, and we're little kids, and we're young teenagers, and we think we know, and we think we got it all together, and we think, you know, Pops doesn't have a clue. And, and, and then we come, you know, Dad gets really smart from, uh, between the age of like 16 and 22. All of a sudden, in that six years, man, Dad sure grows a lot, doesn't he? Kind of a joke, right, to make the yeah. point that, you know what, we learn a lot and find out the truth. And, but here's the point. Parents need to take the time. And we're all guilty of not doing a good enough job at this uh, in many ways. But we need to take the time to tie our children um, as they become adults to their history, to their name, to their family, to their history, to their origins. It doesn't matter if they're black or white or Asian or Indian, because last hour I talked a lot about India, or wherever their uh, heritage is, they need to honor and celebrate that heritage, and they need to tie back to that heritage. And most importantly, when they get tied back to their heritage, it... it it develops a, a, a desire to understand those who have gone before us, to understand their mistakes, make sure we don't repeat them, to understand their heroism uh, and the wonderful things that they've accomplished, their heroes and heroines kind of a thing. Uh, and look at that. And, and everybody has a great story to tell. Even if you've got some bad blood, pardon the pun, uh, meaning that you've got some family that have not lived right, you can just say, hey, without Christ in their lives, you know, everybody in every population, every society runs off the rails, okay, because they don't follow fundamental principles of thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, keep the Sabbath day holy, honor thy father and thy mother, 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. These kind of fundamental principles set the stage for civilized society, set the stage for people to be self-governed based on God-given governing values. And this core uh, gets lost through history for many peoples. And so, you know what, if you look back in your history and know that some people have made some tremendous mistakes, you can say, but thank heavens I know about God, and I can live differently, and I can put my lineage up on a pedestal and say, hey, look where we've come from and look what we've done. We've repented and changed and progressed and, and made a tremendous difference. And okay, that's the kind of attitude we need to have towards it. Now, I've got a, an adopted family. Uh, they've lived very good Christian lives their whole lives. I've got a birth family who, you know what? Christianity, for the most part, hasn't really been in many of their lives. Some of them have been Christians, but many of them have not. And you know what? There's a drastic difference in the in the outcome of how strong family has been to them, how important these governing values that I speak of has been uh, in their lives, etc. And, and I spend so much time on that because we all need to just say, hey, forget the past. You can't change any of it. What you can do, though, is teach going forward. Teach your children. Teach your grandchildren who they are, where they come from, what they can do to make sure that they lay down a legacy of honor, a legacy of integrity, a legacy of morality, a legacy of, of promoting the things that matter most. That's God, family, country. And, and so I would say to the Spicer name, hey, you honor those who you revere. What will that be in your life? Who will it be? And uh, we need to really think through that and teach that to our children. But the point is, if they get tied to their heritage and then to their American heritage, because all of us have a story of coming to America at some point, right? Um, If we're all tied to that heritage, then we can start to embrace the principles that that heritage denotes. Uh, And you know what? In the Bible, we're taught about being adopted in. God loves those who turn to him and are converted to Christ. And no matter how we find our way, how we gain our footing in that reality, that's the unique story in which we need to tell. And then we need to live and honor that. So when I name my children, we, my wife and I have selected very unique names for our children. Every one of them uh, has uh, a name to live up to, a name to honor, uh, a history behind that name that, for example, one of my son's name is Spencer Stephen. Okay, and he's named after a prophet of God. And then the middle name is Stephen, named after the first martyr for Christ. And he's been taught this his whole life to understand who he is where he came from, and then hopefully giving him guidance of where he ought to go. Faith, family, and freedom, baby. Our guest, Alex Spicer, The Alex Spicer Show. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? 
please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Alex Spicer. So anyway, I don't mean to go off forever on family history, but my whole point is we got to tie people back to the things that matter, to the things that they can celebrate and learn about. We need to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. Uh, family matters, folks, because we're all the human race. The great family of God Almighty. After all, we're told that we're his offspring in the Bible. We are literally the sons and daughters of God. So you need to learn about your godly heritage. You need to learn about your family, historical heritage on this earth. Everybody's heritage is different. Everybody has unique ethnicity in their lives and in their blood. And we need to celebrate that, whatever it be for you. Look, I don't down yours by celebrating mine. You don't down mine by celebrating yours. We celebrate our own and then we learn to share that with others and we celebrate each other. And we learn to live uh, in ways that, what do they say? A high tide lifts all boats, right? Let's start there, Alex, shall we? Absolutely. And I have to I have to go back to something that you were talking about um previously, which was, you know, the heritage and and being proud of that, looking to, you know, those who have come before. And it's it's so amazing to me just how nowadays as you understand, I talk a lot about religion and definitely, you know, Judeo-Christian values, the Bible, but we live in a day where religion is not um, non-existent in our culture. In fact, it's extremely alive. Um, but what we see is we have political religion, which is very, um, very alarming, because everything that you just mentioned is now being played upon. We have so naturally human beings have this desire, right, to look to their heritage, to understand their past. It gives them a sense of of belonging. Um, it, it now a sense of belonging kind of ties into also your community, but knowing where you came from it gives you it also gives you a sense of pride and excitement but what we have with political religion is they take these desires that that generally religion will foster for for a good outcome in terms of what your character becomes like how you contribute to society they take these desires that come within us that i believe are god given 
and they twist them. They twist them into something uh, disgusting and, and perverse. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is they are using people. They'll they'll play upon these desires to use them for their own uh, ends. And I see how nowadays, right? Like we have this big flare up of of you know. Uh, race baiting and you know racism we're like oh like is this person racist no oh, you know maybe that person's racist and it becomes this witch hunt but really if you if you look at um, most especially the the younger generation like my generation Millennials um, you look at us and it's very easy to understand why we can become so easily obsessed with that and that is because we have this desire as it talks about Malachi you know the hearts of the children turning to their fathers um, we we desire to understand our heritage and then what what happens though is those who are truly in power and that is the progressive left they control our education system they control uh, the, the media narrative and they will educate people the way they want them to be educated so they take this desire so we have this great great proclivity to uh, understand our past and then if they are misunderstanding their past like they are now right they're being told all these lies they see no good in it. Now, there's a lot of bad that has happened in the past, but there's no context, and there's also um, nothing to be said of of uh, forgiveness and also of uh, the um, of the light and truth that existed between all the darkness. There, uh, we can't see that the way we're taught, and so instead of looking back on our history with pride and then having a sense of of purpose and community now to move forward together in unity. What they do is they twist that desire and they say, look, your ancestors were mistreated and, um, and instead of having a sense of pride, you should have a sense of shame and humiliation and anger. And, and it's funny because none of them experienced that. None of us have experienced the past uh, experiences of our ancestors, not, not at all. In fact, we enjoy a very, very different reality currently. But we're able to, it's very easy when it's your relatives or, you know, maybe you identify, and that's kind of a funny way of putting it, identify with a, a certain um, heritage. It's very easy to take upon the, take upon yourself those emotions. And then what happens is they militarize us, which is very upsetting because normally in a religious uh, setting, if they go, hey, this is your heritage, this is something good, well, in uh, in the church I attend, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, something that we believe in doing is uh, ancestry. We believe in looking up our his the records of our ancestry, understanding who they are, um, and, and finding them, right? Actually getting their records straight, that way we have a whole giant tree, and then we, uh, we believe in um, religious ceremon uh, ceremonies that we like to participate on their behalf. Now, you take that sort of concept to what happens nowadays, and they say, hey, uh, now that you understand your heritage in a very twisted sense, because they don't, they're not going to tell you anything truthful, instead of being moved to action like in my church, we're moved to action to look up our ancestry and do religious things um, that help us feel closer and become you know, uh, great, uh, great, great servicemen for our ancestors. They militarize us to say, hey, now that you have this sense of, uh, of hatred and anger, now you need to vote for me. Now you need to support these causes. Anything that's going to basically follow me, I'm your prophet. You know, the politician is the prophet and we have to follow them. So I just find it very, very interesting. There's, there's a lot of similarities between uh, traditional, you know, typical uh, Christian religions and then also political religion. But political religion is always going to take a twisted form of it, always to then use us for their own gain. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. As I mentioned last hour, as I talked about a variety of topics, you know, are we going to look to God 
or are we going to look to government? Uh, you know, what we do is we argue about the things on the earth a lot of times, but both arguments lead to dead ends. What we've got to do is take a step back and look at option C, jettison the Hegelian dialectic and say, hey, wait a minute. Okay, so there's global warming. Every day it warms up and every night it cools down and cyclically seasons. And hey, you know what? We might be contributing to uh, a changing of the seasons. But you know what? If we keep the commandments of God, he'll heal our land and protect us. And if we don't turn to God, you know what? He promises us earthquakes and in diverse places and and storms of all kinds and natural and man-made disasters and everything else. And so we know the history, but let's just uh, acknowledge, hey, you know what? We need to be good stewards of the earth. But who do we turn to when there's problems? Do we turn to government, the arm of flesh, man's solutions, or do we turn to God's solutions? And if we understand our American heritage and our godly heritage and our familial heritage, then we'll look and say, I've got a duty to my God, to my family, to my country. And it doesn't relate to a duty or a dedication to uh, bureaucrats and professional do-gooders and those who would use these manipulations for their gain. And I think that understanding really is the underpinnings of all that we hold dear and the underpinnings of really what my show, Liberty Roundtable Live and Alex Spicer's show, the Alex Spicer show, is about. His is faith, family, and freedom, okay? But think about this. Teaching and defending the fundamental principles of freedom and happiness. Uh, you know, the Founding Fathers articulated the same thing. You know what? It's all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These principles are not up for discussion because they're fundamental eternal truths. And if you jettison the discussion of the principles, you have no direction. You're absolutely directionless. With these principles, though, you know what? We can become a light on a hill. And I really think that's important to kind of understand with our godly heritage, with our American heritage, with who we are as a people, we need to be a light on a hill because the whole world is are starving for these principles that our founders, under the direction of Almighty God, figured out. We've got the greatest track record of solutions and proof that the world's ever known for the longest period of time in the history of the world as our point, Alex. Agreed. It, it is, it is an amazing track record. It, one that we're, <laughs> that we are quickly um, going to tarnish. And well, I mean, we are tarnishing it in many ways, but we're going to throw it all away. All the blessings that we've received. Um, Sam, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, well, I've spoken to you before and you have you know discussed heavily on your show before but also in our conversation that we had uh, actually on my podcast I had you on once and you had mentioned uh, about the the life test right understanding uh it, the basically the litmus test of of all things crucial in America at least as I understood it and, and this is my takeaway from our conversation you talked about life and I'm just curious to know um in what way would you say that that litmus test for life really um integrates very clearly with the the foundational principles of America. All right, let's take a step back because I agree with the point, and yes, I did articulate that, and I think it's a wise question to ask about the litmus test of life. What is it? How does it relate to you? Why is it even relevant? Those questions, uh, I believe, kind of carry the ball forward as well. And, and that is this. First off, let's start principles of agency. You know, one of the things God gave us that he will never take away, it's a tremendous, sacred gift to all of us. It's the gift of agency. And God doesn't take away agency. He merely teaches us that there are consequences 
You can choose what you want to do, but you can't avoid the consequences of your choices. After the pause, we'll start there with Alex Spicer on your radio. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. President Biden, in his first address to a joint session of Congress Wednesday night, laid out his vision for America. America's moving, moving forward, but we can't stop now. We're in competition with China and other countries to win the 21st century. We're at a great inflection point in history. We have to do more than just build back better. We build back, we have to build back better. Many topics were discussed by the president. Republican Senator Tim Scott discounts Biden's claim about voting rights. I'm an African-American who's voted in the South my entire life. I take voting rights personally. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. According to a new household pulse survey from the U.S. Census Bureau, 51% of adults with health insurance have gotten at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Only 24% have been jabbed without insurance. USA Radio News. This report is sponsored by IBM. Intellectual property is one of the most valuable asset classes on the planet, but has historically been difficult to transact. In a move to make it easier to monetize intellectual property, IP, IBM and IPWE announced plans to mint non-fungible tokens, NFTS, representing patents. This is the world's first blockchain-based patent registry using developed tools such as smart pooling, natural language processing-based summaries of patents, and advanced portfolio analytics, all using IBM technology. The tokenization of IP will help position patents to be more easily sold, traded, commercialized, or otherwise monetized to bring new liquidity to this asset class for investors and innovators. Sham Nagarajan, IBM GBS client partner. The use of NFTs to represent patents will help create completely new ways to interact with IP. This can benefit not only large enterprises that have significant intellectual property, but it will bring new opportunities to small and medium enterprises and even individual IP owners. Visit ibm.com slash blockchain. As COVID-19 shuttered America and pretty much the world, a new way of working has evolved. Working from home became a way of life. Now Americans are saying they like working from home. Tim Berg from the Phoenix USA Radio News Bureau has more. According to a new survey from FlexJobs, 65% of remote workers want to keep working from home when the pandemic is over. Just 2% say they would prefer to return to the normal office model. Another 33% say they would prefer the hybrid model that combines office and remote work. The survey found that 58% would look for a new job if they had to return to the office full time. A recent Gallup poll showed the percentage of those working from home hit a high of 70% in April. The U.S. Senate voted on Wednesday to confirm Samantha Power, the former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, to lead the U.S. Agency for International Development. Power was confirmed in a bipartisan vote, 68 to 26. USA Radio News. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Alex Spicer on your radio. The Alex Spicer Show, alexspicer.com slash listen is where you go to check out his podcast. We're going to have Alex as a regular joining us on the radio going forward. Great commentary, great insights. He asked a very provocative but a vital question. 
you know what? Uh, life is a litmus test for who you are as a being. What does that look like? How does that relate to our American heritage and, and who we are and what we can do going forward, etc.? And I would submit to you that it starts with this principle of agency that God gave us as a tremendous sacred gift. And that gift of agency, ladies and gentlemen, means you can choose as you will. He will not force and he will not take away that agency. I don't speak for God. I'm just telling you what he's told us, right? And uh, if we have our agency, then that's the only really thing we have that we can decide to give to God or not. We can choose as we will, but we must suffer, suffer the consequences backed by eternal law suffer the consequences of our choices. So we get to choose what we want, but we don't get to choose the consequences of those actions, right? And really the quest for us all is to figure out who will be our master. What will be our governing values? What will be our pursuits in life? Where will our heart lie? And if we choose to turn away from God, then we will reap the whirlwind as a consequence. If we choose to obey God to the best of our ability, you know what? He's given us principles to help us along the way prayer and faith and repentance and those things bring blessings eventually to find the gospel of jesus christ and then be baptized and receive the holy ghost and then have greater guidance and greater direction in our lives and as we do those things we learn line upon line of who we are of how we relate of what our core mission on earth is of course it's to get a body of course it's to learn to choose god over satan of course it's to bless the lives of others of course, it's to learn the principles of charity. But along the way, folks, we discover a little bit at a time how we are truly of godly heritage. And then if we are truly of godly heritage, what will we do with that knowledge? Will we embrace freedom and liberty, the plan of the Savior Jesus Christ, uh, and God's plan? Or will we choose the latter? I I'm sorry, the four. Wow. <laughs> or will we choose uh, Satan's plan? The plan that says, I'm going to selfishly live. Uh, I'm going to uh, jettison the things of God for the riches of the world, etc. And which road will we go down? And I submit to you that line upon line solidifies our opportunity or our fate. Now, I'm not saying that we can make it on our own. We need to do all that we can do. And if we do, God promises us that if we keep his commandments, then Jesus Christ will take care of the rest and make up for our inadequacies. Well, anyway, the reason I tell you all this is that if you understand your godly heritage and you have a tie to that heritage, you understand your American heritage, how you got here, why you're here, who came, what sacrifices were made along the way. If you begin to understand these principles, then you start to say, I've got to have the governing values that God and family and country engender. And I've got to jettison all things that are not in harmony with that. And that ought to be our lifetime quest, not only in our personal lives, but in our responsibilities for those whom we are involved with. If we're a, a brother, our brotherly responsibility, a sister, etc., a, a father, a mother, a child, a friend, a neighbor. And we have these responsibilities to everyone and everything around us. And as we learn to carry out those responsibilities and honor God as we do so, then I submit to you that this litmus test of who we are becomes front and center. Are we the sons and daughters of an almighty God? Have we done all that he's asked us to do? If so, we can safely, comfortably depend on his grace to give us the chance to live with him again. I don't know if that's the answer to your question, but that might be a starting point, Alex. That's a fantastic starting point. Um, 
you know, I, I think about how we we have a a point in history in America where we are very very much itching for something revolutionary, which is pretty scary because the best revolutions uh, that that can happen are are the revolutions that take place within our hearts. Would you agree, Sam? Absolutely, without question. Yeah, so if we have these revolutions take place in our hearts, meaning we fight, uh, you know, we go to war with ourselves. Some, some people call it that way. You know, we fight within ourselves to uh, put down um, the, you know, what I call a natural man inclination. You know, the, those things that are more base, that are that are not as uplifting, that are more selfish and um, and carnal. It, when we can go to war with ourselves and and ch- transform our characters, and our character does include the way we think and uh, and feel towards other people, then we can have a a life that is more meaningful and that is happy, right? We're all trying to seek happiness in some sort of way, but we're all so focused on the external that uh, instead of going to war with ourselves, we go to war with other people. And this is where um, sycophants, uh, you know, all these politicians, uh, that's this is where they love to play. They love to play upon the opportunity that exists when people are going to war with others because it, it's it's actually it's too hard to go to war with yourself it's too hard to to fight uh within yourself all of these demons you know all these uh different uh temptations or or bad habits that you need to kick it's so much easier to to start blaming the world i mean we started seeing evidences of this decades ago i i, re- I recall growing up um and you know i'm just a kid at this point but i remember hearing how people would like sue mcdonald's for making coffee um for for spilling coffee on themselves and getting and getting burned from the coffee and it's it's so ridiculous you think how can you not take responsibility for your own life but that's what we want nowadays we want to have all of you know all the benefits without any other responsibility and just to go back to like the the founding of america something i thought was really fascinating the more i studied it and and i have to just as a side note i love colonial american history like that's like my favorite point in history to to study but i i was so fascinated to discover how when the founding fathers you know they're all gathering together and they're trying to decide whether or not they should really seek for independence and it was a really, really hard debate and a hard decision to make because they saw the people and they saw their manners. They saw their behaviors and they thought, no, these people cannot survive independence and freedom. They they, they will not make it. Uh, we, you know, What will happen is we'll try to break away from Britain and then we'll be so weak, Britain will just take us back over or someone else will. Or we will just completely destroy ourselves through uh, internal bloody revolutions. But once they saw that the people... You know, the, we we have the the Great Awakening, and and people were becoming more religious, and that that took place uh, a bit before the um the shot heard around a uh, fire the shot heard around the world, and then people began to unite on this idea that they could be um, independent from the dole of or or from from the uh, the support of Britain, and that's where you had those societies where they would you know they would knit their own their own clothing and everything else. And as they began to transform in this way, I thought it was so fascinating that the Founding Fathers, understanding historically all of the foibles of, hum- of humankind and, and the likely outcomes that will take place based off of human behavior, 
because fascinatingly, they were not so focused upon uh, philosophical I- ideals, but more so upon human behavior, and that's what they based all of their philosophy on, their political philosophy. And, you know, they're very different from Rousseau. Who, Rousseau, who you know, was just like, oh, it's the noble savage, and and there's nothing realistic in anything he talked about whatsoever. And, and it wasn't completely um, cynical either, but understanding human behavior and saying, hey, there's great potential for good and there's great potential for evil, they saw the transformation in the people, uh, in the American people, seeing that they kind of went to war with themselves and said, hey, if I if I really want to not, you know, be not British, because there was a desire to no longer be like the Britons, I've got to not depend on the government to make all my decisions for me. I've got to try to strike out on my own and and be uh, self-sufficient. Uh, and then they realized, okay, the people are now ready for this uh, revolution to take place. We can now actually try to become an independent nation from Britain. And I just, I always love that because I think about now we have issues where we don't, we don't know how to transform our characters. We don't know how to become uh, self-sufficient. We have people who continue to live at home with their parents for decades, uh, you know, decades into their adulthood. You have people who just they, they don't know how to think or act for themselves. And so if you can't be self-governing and self-sufficient, then the only option that you have is to seek the power of others, you know, the power of the government to then take from your fellow man in order to uh, enable you to subsist in your in your current lifestyle, and and that that eats up the prosperity that we enjoy uh, from the sacrifice of of many many others, not just historically but also currently, and then we also come to a place where we are willing to abdicate all of our all of our rights if we can just get a little bit more comfort. And so all these things just fascinate me a, a lot, and, and you talk about. Um, you know, agency, this, this right to choose for oneself. And what people don't realize is as, as much as the American way is, you know, like, <laughs> I'm going to get out of here and do it myself. We can't have that if we are so stuck on having everything done for us. Quick pause, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Alex Spicer. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live incredible think tank on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Use it wisely. Mom, you don't know anything about me anymore. (sighs) Honey, I know you're good at math. You don't like English. I know Ryan smiled at you yesterday at school. I know your favorite color is purple. And I know you don't like mushrooms. And who can blame you? I mean, mushrooms are a fungus, and people generally try to avoid funguses. Or is it fungi? I'm never quite sure. But, you know, either way, I mean, penicillin is good. Penicillin is a mold. Huh. Well, I guess you're right. So you like penicillin, but not mushrooms. (laughs) No matter what you talk about, love is what they'll hear. Mom, Mm. if we talk, will you be quiet? Love to. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. If Planned Parenthood were what they publicly declare themselves to be, they would welcome transparency. We all know why they hide, because we know what they hide. We can confirm federal judges 
who follow the Constitution rather than reverse engineer their preferred policy outcomes. The truth about abortion is spreading because of advances in medical imaging, because of brave journalists, tireless activists, compassionate doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. The rising generation of young Americans is the most pro-life in decades because they know too. And one day soon, we will reaffirm our nation's principles in their dignified fullness and avow once again that all men are created equal. All are entitled to life. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Alex Spicer, Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use continues. Fundamental hard-hitting questions at your fingertips. Contemplative issues always on the table. Who we are, where did we come from, why are we here, where are we going, all in the balance, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we're talking to Alex Spicer. He's a well-known talk show host in his own right. He's host of the Alex Spicer Show, a well-known podcast, alexspicer.com slash listen. Just so you don't get confused, just spell Spicer, S-P-E-I-S-E-R, S-P-E-I-S-E-R. And I've got show notes here that I want to read, Alex, because in the final segment, time flies when you're having fun, right? We're going to have him on more often. Look forward to those interviews, ladies and gentlemen. But listen up. Here's the notes that I wrote for the second hour of the broadcast. Of course, I wrote Alex Spicer and told you about his show and gave you the show link. But then here's my kind of notes about the commentary and discussion today. Who are we? Our godly American heritage is key. Our Father in Heaven gave us a sacred gift, the gift of agency. We need to learn to live according to sound eternal principles what are your governing values how can we become the peaceful followers of christ that's the notes that i've written thus far what do you think of that alex i love those that's that's fantastic i bring this up because we really need to think in america who we are are we going to spend our life getting and spending and running around and working and playing and, and never stopping to think, never learning to be still? Never le- Are we going to use this pandemic in our lives to step back a little bit and say, wait a minute, you know what? I've been too engaged in the worldly pursuits and I, I need to change. I need to kind of go a different route. Are we going to use this pandemic, um, even though some may say it's fake and some may say it's real and some may say it's, it's horrible. You're going to die if you don't take the vaccines. Others say you're going to die if you do. And I mean, it's so complicated and so convoluted. Man, global warming is going to kill everybody. No, it's not. It's not even real. Wait a minute. It's fake. It's fake news. And we go round and round and round. But when are we going to step back and be still and decide who are we? What are we going to use our time for? And I think we can focus on and use this uh, pandemic, not that I'm saying it's great, or that it's real or anything. I'm, just, I'm not interested in that debate right now. What I'm interested in is this discussion. Are we going to use this reality that we've been locked down for a year and things have changed so drastically in life and in society? Are we going to use it to step back and recalibrate our own compass 
towards our governing values, towards the things that matter the most to us. And I think that's where the, what do they say, the rubber meets the road, Alex? I think that's kind of where it starts for each of us, at least right now to consider, right? Yes. Where do we go from here? What do we do? Because it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to actually do it, Alex. Isn't I would say it done's hard, isn't it? Yeah. I would say, you know, where we go from here is we have to accept truth. Um, and and I, I know that sounds really simplified, so let me kind of break down like how that actually happens. Because right now what we have is we have a great acceptance of non-truth, right? Of, of lies, outright lies and falsities um, where we believe happiness can be found in, in all the wrong places. Um, and in order for us to actually start accepting truth, we need to actually embrace God and embrace each other. Now, you don't have to necessarily be a Christian or be religious to do so. But in order in order to one of the number one ways that you can embrace God, regardless of your religion, is to serve other people. Because that's that's really the fundamental um uh teaching of all peaceful religions throughout the world is that you serve your fellow man. And if we are service oriented, that 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 engenders within us a um a sense of selflessness and and a greater desire to once again step outside of our boxes and step outside of our selfish um uh narratives and start looking to other people and how we can help them and we we would like to believe nowadays that we do that but we don't really right we like to believe that oh if i can institute these government programs i'm i'm accomplishing that very thing but that's um uh, that is a, a twisted way of trying to accomplish it because really all you're doing is you're outsourcing the very transformative process of service um, that you need to be participating in yourself. You, you outsource it to the government and that we have to avoid that and rather be involved hands deep. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, how do we become the peaceful followers of Christ? How do we learn to live by principle by governing values and the answer is it starts with service to others uh you know the savior jesus christ kind of set the example he grew in stature and in wisdom with god and man i, I don't have it exactly in front of me biblically it says that but then he started his ministry and what he did was he served people he taught he served he loved he healed he and we aren't jesus christ but we ought to follow in his pattern and we ought to try to bring the same kind of relief to others on this earth. And what I like about that kind of an attitude uh, that you highlight, Alex, uh, as we are in the service of our fellow beings, we are in the service of our God. What I like about that the most is it transcends all these divides that they've got. Male, female, doesn't matter. We can all do that. You know what? Tall, short, doesn't matter. Uh, you know what? Smart, not quite so smart, doesn't matter. Um, you know, Republican, Democrat, red, blue, doesn't matter. Uh, conservative, liberal, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, uh, liberal, conservative, doesn't matter. Um, and, and we kind of set aside all that, and we realize that we're all God's children. Race, oh, doesn't matter. We're all God's children. We're all the great human race. Okay, race doesn't matter. Every one of these divide lines gets set aside, gratefully so, uh, in this quest to serve others, to develop a charitable heart. Uh, to say, there's a, a guy that was speaking, and he made a very interesting statement. Uh, he's involved in kind of counseling people and helping people and loving people and supporting people in his, in his uh, life. And he said, you know, one of the things that I've observed 
is if you think of whoever you're dealing with, doesn't matter if you see them at the grocery store today or, you know, wherever tomorrow, a political rally, uh, you know, whether they call in on the radio, whether you see them walking down the street or whatever else, if you consider that they're in trouble somehow in their life, uh, who knows what it may be, maybe serious sin trouble, or it may just be uh, health problems, or it may be relationship problems, or it may be, um, you know, feeling adequate, whatever, whatever it be in their lives, 50% of the people you deal with will be in trouble in some way, at least. And so you need to think of everyone around you as in trouble in some way. And your goal is not necessarily to solve all their problems. Okay, you can't take the weight of the world on your shoulders. But your goal needs to be to treat them as such. So when you're at the grocery store and the lady at the counter is kind of grumpy, rather than just being grumpy back, you give her a smile and say, you know what, thank you. I appreciate it. And, and little teeny things that you can do all the day long change the game. If you're in line and you pay for the meal uh, for the uh, meals of the people in the car behind you, uh, if you see someone drop something and you pick it up and hand it to them, if you hold a door open for somebody, if you give somebody a smile, if uh, you get somebody who isn't treating you right and you give a polite, kind response back, these random acts of kindness, these random acts of service, these random acts of trying to pay forward the love of Christ to others can truly change the game, my fellow Americans. And all those divide lines they try to insert into our lives, they go bye-bye, Alex. And that's what we need for a starting point for our society to grow. I, I think that everything you said is completely spot on, and it is so beautiful. Like these truths, they really they feel so sublime to me. Like they really enter deep in our hearts, and and I feel like you know the listeners who listen to this um, this conversation they can feel that as well. We have this understanding that they're you know, we're all human beings. All of those dividing lines that you mentioned, you're you're absolutely right. They completely melt away. How can you serve someone if you if you believe that um, you can't get along, right? Like you have to let one win out. Are you going to let this belief that the dividing line is more important, or that the human being that you see before you is more important? And I had mentioned that in order for us to really make a path forward that's going to be good for us, we have to embrace truth, and this is the first step to embracing truth. Uh, the reason for that is because it opens up our heart. Uh, our, it opens up our hearts and our minds to to ideas, right? I, I believe very clear that God is very clearly in the details, and He does influence us. I mean, if you study anything about the uh, early American history, He clearly was there influencing the founding fathers and their thinking, and also in the, in the battles that took place. And I feel like if we serve one another, we're going to have that same sort of influence in our lives. That's going to lead us to to different ways of thinking, to embracing concepts that were maybe very foreign to us. And I say this in light of, um, yes, those who are more progressive, but I think that applies to everyone regardless of where they sit on the political aisle. There are truths that we have not yet allowed to enter into our heart until we start serving other people of all shades and sizes um, without any sort of uh, judgment towards them. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, a very thought-provoking program. But I submit to you that it starts with service. It starts with when you're in the service of your fellow beings, you're in the service of your God. Believe it or not, that's in a book uh, called The Book of Mormon from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And many of you may not believe it's scripture. 
I personally believe that it is, but others may say no. I don't believe that. That's fine. But think about the counsel given. Think about the guidance given, if you will, and ask yourself this. Member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or not, believe the book of Scripture or not, are you willing to take that advice? Are you willing to think, hey, if I do a kind act for someone, I'm serving my God? Uh, Because, you know what, the two great commandments are love the Lord thy God. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Those are the two commandments the great eternal law hangeth on, right? And as a result, you say, "Mm, why is it that way? Uh, And I think that's kind of the key to solving our problems in society. I don't think the answers are political. I know others want to believe all we got to do is write a new book and follow the outline in the book, or all we got to do is get rid of the Republicans or dump the Democrats, or all we got to do is get this guy out of office and put this other guy in office. Then we go round and round the merry-go-round of, in my opinion, less than valuable solutions because they'll never take us there. We need to be kind, become the kind of people we want our neighbors to be. Uh, In a marriage, they always say, look, don't worry about your spouse. Take care of yourself. Are you the best marital companion you can be? Are you the best husband or wife that you can be? Work on yourself and, hey, pretty soon things aren't so bad. Kind of an idea. And I think societally, we need to think the same way as members of society. We need to say, hey, I know everybody else around me is a jerk. No, I'm just kidding. We got to stop that attitude. We got to kind of go, you know what? These are God's children I'm dealing with on a daily basis. How can I treat them as such? How can I behave in a way that would make my Father in Heaven pleased with my efforts? And I submit to you that the answer is, as Alex Spicer pointed out, it starts with learning to serve our fellow man. When you are in the service of your fellow beings, you are only in the service of your God. Well, speaking of that, we're flat out of time. Thank you, Alex Spicer. We'll have you back soon, my brother. Thank you for having me. And for Sam and Alex, we declare we the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore our grand old republic. The only question left is, will you get involved and help us? LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net, AlexSpicer.com slash listen. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the republic. 